John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, and the word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. I've struggled with this message, and it might be just for me. So would you bear with me? (laughs) It may be just for me. Those of you who have been coming on Wednesday nights, we have been studying about when God's people pray. And um, God is stirring me. I said on Wednesday, I'm discontent. I'm not satisfied in my soul and in my spirit. Nothing that you've done but... As we've been going through this study, God is creating a desire in me. I want more of Him. Man, I want more of Him. And I'm hoping that maybe I can stir some of that in you this morning. I want more communion with Jesus in prayer. You see, there's a fine line between having, listen to me, there's a fine line between having a vibrant, exciting, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ versus just going through the motions. A staleness. Mm. Having a staleness about our life. What about our services here on Sunday morning? Look, I believe that God is here. I believe that God is real. I believe that God is pouring out His Spirit. But is it just enough that we come in here on Sunday mornings and we sing a song or two and then we give announcements and then we take up the offering, we sing another song or two, we go into prayer and then I deliver a message and we go home. And Are we allowing the Spirit to control us? I'll get it together. Just give me a second. It's been heavy on me. I want to see God move. And I know you do too. I want to see God move in our hearts. I want to see lives changed. I want to see lives that are radically changed for Jesus Christ. And my question is, what about you? Folks, no matter where you're at in life, you can always have more of Jesus. Young or old, you can always have more of Jesus. And I ask the question, When was the last time that you have felt stirred? Really stirred. To where you have gone to your knees, not just because you know it's something that you probably should do, but you can't help but doing it. Hmm. 
If you're honest with yourself, you, can you say that you're hungry for more of Him? Or has your walk grown stale? Has it gotten dry? I accepted Christ when I was five years old. What is that now? Forty-two years? And I'll be the first to admit that there have been times. It's a little bit drier than cracker juice. I don't want that. God is stirring. If you've been missing our Wednesday night studies, man, you need to get out here. God's, God's really speaking to us. I hope He's speaking to you on an individual level. I long for God to do a new thing. If I had to title this message, we may go into this next week. I don't know where God's going to lead, but if I had to title it, it would be, I want a new thing. I want a new thing. Something new, something fresh, something powerful. How about you? Maybe you're in a rough place in life. You keep waiting for God to answer a prayer, but maybe your journey has left you weary. And you need God to show up in a powerful way. Mary, and you need God to show up in a powerful way, don't you? She came here this morning and she said she was in such pain she almost didn't come and she came down to be prayed for and we anointed her and we need God to touch Mary. But let me tell you something. Until you and I get to the end of ourselves, Until we admit that where we're at in life, we're just going to continue to do the things that we've always done and we're always going to get what we've always gotten. That's not the best grammar, but you know what I'm saying. Hmm. Perhaps you're on fire for Jesus. I say praise God. Keep asking for more and keep going. But I have a feeling that I might be talking to some here this morning who... You want a new thing. Maybe you've allowed some complacency to creep into your heart. Are you just going through the motions? (laughs) The only way that this will change is if God does a new thing. Uh, there was a thought that hit me this, this, this week, and this is where it might be more of a sermon that I'm getting ready to go into, but um, my heart is, is burning, and you can tell that there's, there's something going on, and God is dealing with me. Stephanie and I have said that we've never felt such a burden to get on our knees. That's the beginning of great things, church. I can't ask you to do it if it doesn't start with me. Because as the pastor goes, the church goes. Where are we at? And I got to thinking about this, and I thought, man, God, I need you to start a new thing. I need you to create a new thing. And I just stopped on that word create. Create. We need God to create something new. We still serve a creating God. Yeah. We still serve a creating God. 
if, I don't know where you're at. Maybe God's starting to stir you a little bit. Maybe he's making you realize, all right, maybe I'm not as on fire as I want to be. Maybe I'm tired of the old and the drab and, and the dull and, yeah, I want something new. Uh, maybe you're in a situation to where you're so weary, you're so tired that you need God to create. You need God to do something new. You need God to show up. You need God to answer. And we need God to create. We just read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In the beginning was the Word. The book of John was geared for more of a Gentile audience. Those not raised in the Jewish faith. And John was writing to a Gentile, Greek-speaking, heavily influenced, heavily Greek-influenced world. Greeks were some of the most intellectual thinkers of the world in that day. And they often used a word for word. Their Greek word for word, you've heard of this, is logos. Logos. And when John used the word, in the beginning was the word, that had to have caught their attention. You see, to the Greeks, logos was the word that meant the mind of God or the reasoning of God. Interesting, isn't it? You see, they looked at the world and saw the magnificent and dependable order to it all. They could see the planets. And how they just came together. They were predictable and they saw the tides and how they came, the tide comes in and it comes out at the exact same time every day. They would look at the harvests and every year it was predictable. They knew when to plant. They knew when to harvest. It happened every time, year after year like clockwork. Summer, winter, day and night came at their appointed times. And there was a definite order to nature and to the Greek. Surely there had to be a mastermind behind all of this. For no human can make day into night and night into day. No one can take a seed and give it the power to grow. They believed that in this world of order there had to be an intelligent creator behind it all. The astronomer said that for every grain of sand, there were multiple stars that are in existence. Think about that. For every grain of sand, there are multiple stars in the heavens. An astronomer is able to forecast the minutes and to the inch when and where certain planets will appear. They can tell us when and where an eclipse of the sun will happen hundreds of years from now and tell us to the second how long it will last. And it's been said that no astronomer could ever be an atheist. (laughs) This is our God creator. 
You think he can do a new thing in my heart? Can he do a new thing in your heart? Where does our ability to reason, to think, to know come from? Where do we get our knowledge of right and wrong? Why do even the most evil people deep in their hearts know that what they're doing is wrong? Where does that come from? Where does remorse and regret come from? And to the Greek, it had to come from some power outside of themselves. How did all of this take place? To the Greek, it was by the logos. It was by the mind of a God, of a, of a God creator. And the Apostle John, he seized upon this Greek knowledge and he related Jesus in this way so they could understand. I'm going to go back to that verse on the screen. You might not have it. To the Greek, so that they would understand. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, right? Not little w, but capital W. In essence, what John was saying to the Greek, he was saying, all of your lives you have been fascinated by this great guiding, controlling mind of God. And John was saying, well, I'm here to tell you that the mind of God has come to earth. He has come in the flesh in human form, and that man's name is Jesus. Look at him. John is saying, look at him, capital W, look at Jesus, and you'll see what the mind of God is. You'll see what the actions of God are. Are like. You see, Jesus is the Word. He is our Logos. He is the reason and the mind of God. And notice that it says, it doesn't say that when God created, He also created the Word. No, it says that the Word existed from the beginning. Jesus was, was already there with God from the beginning. He is equal with God the Father. our God. And I need that God to create something new. Another thing that I saw all this passage, let me get there. Let me just fast forward through all this. Jesus created all that there was and all that there is. Listen, Jesus is used to creating something out of nothing Speaking of Jesus, listen to what Colossians 1, 15 through 16 says. He is the image of the invisible God, capital H, referring to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And I'm thinking, surely Jesus can create something new. Those of you who have been in the church for a while, those of you who have claimed to walk with Jesus for a while, be careful. Be careful. Lest the truth of God's word grow stale. Lest we no longer become awed and amazed at who Jesus is in our life. 
You want to experience a new thing? Jesus, our Logos, our Master Creator, He is at our fingertips. Jesus created everything there was and everything there is. Everything that even has life in it. This is our God, Creator God. The Word, Jesus, became flesh. Creator of all that there is. What new thing do you want Him to do in your life? Like I said, maybe this is just for me this morning. Or maybe there's someone in here this morning that you wouldn't say it to someone. You might not even say it to your spouse, but you would have to say, yeah, it's kind of, gone, it's kind of grown dull. It's not as sharp as I want it to be. My heart doesn't beat like it once did. You need Jesus to create Recreate that passion in your life. I understand that, that we can't live 24-7 on a mountaintop experience in that spiritual euphoric state. I understand that. But man, do you want to hunger after God? He will give you as much of Him as you want. And I want Him. I want Him. He will do it. Our God can take your heart. He can take your issue. He can take your struggle. He can take your staleness and create something fresh, something beautiful. From your nothingness, He can create new life. Listen, He, he knows what it's like to take a crippled hand, uh, fingers that don't work. He knows what it's like to take a, a feet and legs that are lame. And He knows what it's like to recreate tendons and bones and muscles and to make them new again. He knows what that's like. He knows what it's like to take one who, who can no longer hear and recreate the, uh, the tissues in the ear and the eardrums so that they can hear he's done before. He knows what it's like to, to touch someone's eyes and to create brand new sight. He knows what it's like to look at somebody's skin that is, that is dirty, that is rotting away with a leprosy, and he knows how to make skin as clean as a baby. You think he can create something new in you and I today? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. He wants to. He wants to. Amen. To a man who had been dead for days, Jesus just spoke the words, Lazarus, come forth. And life was once again created. You've heard other preachers say it, and I'll say it as well. There's a reason why he had to say the name Lazarus, because he did not say the name Lazarus. Every grave would open up and every life would be raised to life. He had to specify that's the kind of power. If your heart is cold and you want more, He'll give you new life. He's doing a work in me. Our God knows how to create and He knows how to make new. I'm talking to someone this morning, I know it. 
You're tired of living the way that you're living. And you're desperate for God to do something new. Oh, this next part's kind of cool. Jesus knows how to create and bring life to a lifeless soul. If you still have your Bibles open, verse 4. In Him was life. Speaking of Jesus. This is a reference to verse 4. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Those of us, and I'm talking to, I'm talking to everyone. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, this could be your day to experience brand new eternal life for the first time. He's ready to create. But for those of us who have accepted Him, we have to be careful keeping that fervor, keeping that passion. These verses, Ephesians 2, 1, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Listen to all these verses that I'm going to rattle off here and how they speak to how God created new life within our souls, within our hearts. John 5, 24, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. John twenty thirty one. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. I have come that they might have life. That they may have it more abundantly. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And one more popular one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There is his creative work again. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, if we're not careful, Revelation 2, you don't have to turn there, you can just listen. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, Jesus said to them, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. We can be doing all the right things. We can be working like crazy in God's church. But if we have lost our first love, we've lost it all. I don't want to do that. He's given me too much. (laughs) 
He's done too much for me. He's done too much for you. I don't want to do that. I told you before, sometimes I get so busy with busy work, I get so administrative that I sometimes fail to focus on those areas that I need to. Believer, Jesus is still in the business of creating and renewing. I can't help but think that at the heart of all the great revivals in the past, D.L. Moody and Finney, the Asbury revivals of the 50s and of the 70s, it started off when somebody or a group of people, they were dissatisfied. They weren't happy. They wanted to see God move in their midst. It started off when people began to have a burden. They began to forsake the things that were no longer important. They began to forsake the things of recreation, not that you can't do those things. They began to forsake the things of of, of food and eating, not like you can't eat. They began to forsake all of those things for the things that really mattered. I know that the Great revival in Asbury in the 1970s began when a group of three or four students began to have a burden for one of their friends who wasn't saved. And they began to meet every morning in prayer. There's the key. I'm getting back to that here in a second. In prayer, there's the key. I'll get that in a second. They began meeting in the morning before classes, week after week and for a couple of months praying that God would save their friend on a, on a Tuesday morning, I believe, at Asbury in their chapel. God broke out. And for like a week, week and a half, they canceled classes. People just kept coming, kept coming, and that individual got saved, all because three or four students began to pray. You see, when God's people pray, He's still in the business of creating. He can still renew that passion, that fire inside. But what's it going to take? What's it going to take for God to show up and create something new in our lives? Maybe it's if I develop some interesting cell groups. Maybe if I recreate uh, our care groups. Maybe if we get a bunch of buses and, and, and have a bus ministry and just start busing a bunch of kids in here. Maybe if we sing only hymns, that will do it. Maybe if we just switch to all contemporary songs. Maybe we go back to just using the hymnals in the pew or we stick with just the songs in the PowerPoint. Maybe we can entertain people enough with concerts or I can bring in enough names like Roy Hall to bring people in. Or hey, perhaps I can start a really interesting men's study or women's study on Wednesday night. Or maybe even a cafe will get us where we need to go. Nothing will work until we get desperate. None of those things will ever be effective at all unless we begin to be desperate. God is creating a desperation within my heart. It's going to take desperation. It's going to take abandonment. And it's going to take prayer I'm beginning to realize that Brock must totally abandon everything of himself, 
everything in his life and give himself completely over to the Holy Spirit in prayer. That's it. That's it. This is what God has been showing me through our Wednesday night studies, and it's just now coming out on Sunday morning. Oh, how we need God's Spirit to invade the hearts of his people. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh fire. Anyone can have it, young or old alike. Maybe you're facing an impossible situation and you're tired and you're weary. Maybe you sense that there must be more to this whole Jesus thing. And that you're just not feeling it. And I can tell you that that's where we're at this morning. The problem isn't with Jesus. It's with our hearts. There's a, a quick story that I want to read to you. We've been, we've been uh, going through the Jim Simbala story on, on uh, Wednesday nights when God's people pray. But he's written a book and he tells a story out of the, his, his book, the, the Brooklyn Tabernacle that's in Brooklyn, New York. And if you know anything about that at all, it's just an amazing... Have you ever been, anybody ever been there? Ever been to Brooklyn? Boy, uh, I need to take a trip there sometime. They say it's quite, quite the trip. But in the early days, uh, like 25, 30 years ago, in the early days when Jim and his wife Carol, who is the leader of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, um, they, they first took that ministry. Now, I just want to read you what took place in the early days here. Quote, on one of our Sunday nights, I was so depressed by what I saw and even more by what I felt in my spirit that I literally could not preach. Five minutes into my sermon, I began choking on the words. Tears filled my eyes and gloom engulfed me. All I could say to the people was, I'm sorry, I can't preach. Something is terribly wrong. I don't know what else to say. I can't go on. And Carol, would you please play something on the piano and would the rest of you come to this altar? If we don't see God help us, I don't know. With that, I just quit. It was embarrassing, but I couldn't do anything else. The people did as I asked. I leaned into the pulpit and my face planted in my hands and sobbed. Things were quiet at first, but soon the Spirit of God came down upon us. People began to call upon the Lord, their words motivated by a stirring within. God, help us, we prayed. Get this, Carol played the old hymn, I need thee, oh I need thee. And we sang along, and a tide of intercession arose. Suddenly a young usher came running down the center aisle and threw himself on the altar, and he began to cry as he prayed. When I placed my hand on his shoulder, he looked up, the tears streaming down his face as he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Please forgive me. Instantly I realized that He was apologizing for taking money from the offering plate. I stood speechless for a moment, bewildered by his unexpected confession. 
It was our first spiritual breakthrough. I had not had to play detective, confront the culprit for his misdeed, or pressure him to confess. Here in a single night, during a season of prayer, problem number one was solved. That evening when I was at my lowest, confounded by obstacles, bewildered by the darkness that surrounded us, unable even to continue preaching, I discovered, listen to this, I discovered an astonishing truth. God is attracted to weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need Him. Our weakness, in fact, makes room for His power. Listen, I did not share any of that to say that there's an outright sin going on within our midst or that there's a horrible spirit within our midst. That's not my point. I simply want us to see what being broken before God looks like. Elders, we have a meeting tomorrow night. I want us to be on our knees the majority of the time. We can talk about issues if we have to, but if we as leaders are not leading from our knees, and if I'm not leading you as a leader on our knees, then I'm not doing my job. So get ready. We're going to pray tomorrow. If we're ever going to see spiritual breakthroughs, we need to be broken. That God indeed is drawn to those who are weak, but will humble themselves. Let me try and bring this to a close. Mm. He is strangely drawn to those who become desperate. And I believe if we as individuals and as a church begin falling on our faces before God, humble and broken, that He will draw near to us. Desperate for souls. Desperate to see lives transformed around us, in our midst and those outside. But it all must start with God setting our hearts ablaze. I don't want my life slipping by without seeing God do amazing things. Change us, God. Change me. Change us. Change our worship services. Change everything. Change our passion for people. Change our prayer life. Listen, I don't want to just spend my whole life just treading water spiritually. I don't want to spend my whole life preaching about the power that is out of this Word but never experiencing it. Is there anyone else here that says, Me too, Pastor? Yeah. We need a creator God to show up and create something new here at the mill. Great spirit. Good spirit. Y'all are good people. Some of the cream of the crop. But I think God wants more. I'm not satisfied. It's going to take time and prayer where we get used to calling on the name of the Lord. 
I believe, listen, I believe if we call upon the Lord, He has promised in His Word to answer, to bring the unsaved, to pour out His Spirit among us. And if we don't call upon the Lord, He has promised us nothing. So I'm grappling with what God wants us to do with this. It's going to take prayer. Plain and simple. Prayer. Prayer is some of the hardest things to do. Um, I'm throwing this out there. It's not always an easy thing. I'm throwing it out there. Men, on the first and the third Saturdays of every month, some of you know this, on the first Saturday of the month, we'll show up here at the church at 7 in the morning and we're going to pray. And then we'll go to breakfast. The third Saturday of every month, if you can, if you're able... I'm going to be here at 9 o'clock at night. I was here last night. I prayed over all of your pews last night. I prayed that God would move. Women, I know that there are some women that come here around a little after 8 o'clock in the morning, about 8.20 or 8.30, and they pray. I've created a time here on Sunday mornings from... 9.45 to 10.15 just to come and pray. I can't help. God is leading me. I know we've talked about doing some things here on Wednesdays for summer activities, and but God is leading me, and we need to pray. We need to pray. Is this just for Brock? Is anyone else here? I'm going to ask you if God has at all stirred your heart. I'm going to play a song by Casting Crowns. Maybe this is just to jumpstart some of us this morning. Maybe this is just to get some of you thinking. Maybe this has pricked someone's heart this morning. And you want that as well. You want more of him. You want him to do a new thing. I'm not content I'm not content. Go ahead, Brian. You can play it. If that's you this morning, as we as a church, you just come. Just come. Yeah. If you want it, if you want it.